Hello and welcome to Not Another Witch Podcast. I'm Vicky, aka the Aphrodisian Witch, and this is episode three of season two. It has been a while since I last recorded because I'm still very much getting back into the habit of doing businessy things. And I thought, okay, cool, let's talk about running a witchy business. Um, because recently I've had quite a few folks come into kind of like my worldview, into like my experience field. Oh my god, that's that's so pedantic. God, I hope I never say that ever again. Who are very, very, very keen to start witchy businesses. And I absolutely like get it, especially because this is like the um probably the most visible point in history ever where we've seen witches be able to uh, visibly make a living in like a grand scale obviously forever witches healers herbalists have been paid for their work however on this kind of scale and this visibility is obviously completely unprecedented we've never had this before now this episode is not necessarily going to be like how to start a witchy business and it's not really going to be an episode where I am teaching you how to like do this. I'm not a business expert. I'm not. More so, I wish that I had maybe listened to this podcast episode or what I'm planning to talk about on this episode before I had really started my kind of focusing on my witchcraft stuff less as a hobby I'm more as like, wow, this is actually something that I could make a living out of. And even that in and of itself, I feel like it feels quite edgy for me to say that because in some respects, I kind of hate that my practice and my income are tied up together. Of course, they are separate and they aren't intrinsically intertwined. But if you've listened to episode like one, of season two, you'll know that like actually trying to unpick the intertwinement, the enmeshment between my personal practice and my business, because obviously I teach witchcraft, which I love, don't get me wrong. Um, That's been a journey in and of itself. I just, there are so many things that I have experienced from running a witchy business, which may just be things that running a business does anyway, regardless of kind of what, um, what community it's part of or what sector is witchcraft a sector I don't think it is but um that might these just might be experiences of running a small business anyway but I hope that cross fingers this episode will for anyone who's listening to this who is like I really want this or perhaps you already have a witchy business and um if that's the case I hope this does hopefully make you feel a little bit seen because one of the things that frustrates me most about running a witchy business is almost like the romanticizing of it which I totally get especially because folks are seeing my business through the lens of Instagram through the very 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 small window into my world a very curated window at that because that's what social media is it is curated I do sometimes feel like folks have this image of me kind of like being a little witch in in the woods in my little hut brewing potions all day every day and reading the stars and it's actually like way less glamorous than that I would potentially argue that my life was more outwardly witchy before I started having a business because 
suddenly a lot of your time and your magical energy and your emotional energy and your spiritual energy and all that stuff, a lot of it is kind of being siphoned off into your business. So I think on episode one, I may have chatted a little bit about kind of the brief overview of the Aphrodisian Witch and how it came about. Um, So I would recommend that you go and listen to episode one of season two. And I also drop a little things here and there in season one. Um, But here is a super duper duper brief overview of the last um, two years, essentially, of the Aphrodisian Witch. So for those who don't know, I always say I did, did not choose to have a spiritual business. It was kind of just, it just happened. Um, I started sharing my practice online, a little bit about my devotion to Aphrodite. And originally this was through doing like portraits, digital portraits inspired by Aphrodite. And the more that I shared, the more people really wanted to hear what I had to say. And then it was like, cool, maybe I could make like a little resource. My first offering was a, um, like a digital, a digital, and also there was physical ones for a short amount of time, kind of primer called Stargazing Within, which is essentially like an astrological primer of like how to read a natal chart which I think is still actually available on my website. I I am planning on like re-releasing it at some point. That was my first ever offering and it was all right. It wasn't like, whoa, this has made me like so much money, but also I wasn't really going into it for money. I was like, damn, okay. People apparently were willing to pay me for, for learning from me. I spent months on that booklet. Actually too much time on that booklet for the actual amount of work that it kind of produced. But it was really when I started sharing more about the specifics of my practice and not just astrology online on Instagram and stuff that the business really started to take off. I, at that point, my health was really shit. Like, like flares every other day. And I was working in like the family business, but it was becoming more and more unsustainable the work that I was doing within the Aphrodisian Witch was way more satisfying, way more fulfilling than my day job, um, which also made it really difficult then to to feel good about my day job because I'd be like, I could be at home doing a reading and really feeling like I can make a, an impact on, on people because that's really how I felt within my work. More and more, I was like, no, like this is you know, the solution to my problems, which was not a correct assumption. Like, I really do have to stress that. Looking back, you know, maybe three years ago, or maybe two and a half years ago, I really thought that being self-employed and this business succeeding would solve all my problems. Like, all my money problems. I didn't really have money problems, but, like, I would not be able... I wouldn't have to worry about um, working so much. Like I could feel comfortable in my job. People are willing to pay me. You know, I can make my schedule my own to suit my health, all this stuff. I was like, wow, the universe has presented me with like, damn, I'm actually pretty good at this. Cause I was getting incredible feedback from people from like the booklet, from the readings, from at that point, my courses weren't like launched. Um, But then I was like, damn, maybe I can actually make like a course about pleasure-centered witchcraft, which was Rose Witch Coven, which... I ran the second cohort of at the beginning of 2023. But that now that's morphed into Magical Misfit Mystery School, which is like an ongoing thing. And I was shocked that people signed up for Rosewitch Coven because it was like quite a, you know, like the biggest offering I'd ever, I'd ever released because it was a huge course and like mentoring and calls and all this stuff. I had also done this alongside going on like a feminist business course with one of my mentors, Luna Dietrich, who is absolutely fantastic. And that course is actually where I met 
um, one of my best friends to me who has been on the podcast in season one and will be coming back for season two. Yay. So like eternally grateful for that extra support that I had. And I also think it's really worth noting that up until at the time of recording six months ago, I still had a day job. Like, and I was very lucky that that day job supported me so that I could invest because that is essentially what I was doing, investing in like education and understanding how to run a business because I had no fucking clue. And really through, um, yeah, investing in, in this course, in this offering from Luna really allowed me to be like, wow, I can actually structure my, my business and my offerings in a way that feels good for me ethically in a way that aligns with who I am and it was so comprehensive and it really allowed me to form like a really solid structure to build my business on say for example within that like I wrote like a business manifesto and like what do I actually believe in what am I actually here for who are the people that I'm that I'm kind of reaching out to I dug into like my own lineage and this is it's on this course that I really understood the importance of naming lineage so that people can understand what kind of experiences that I'm coming from. I understood the importance of pricing stuff in a way that actually felt good for me, supported me, and was also not like astronomically expensive. I understood a lot more about like how I can kind of balance that, how I can try as much as I can to not perpetuate the same like really toxic capitalistic modes of being within my business and I really kind of dug into how I can make this sustainable for me once Rose Witch Coven launched it was like okay this is like wow this is my job <laughs> basically all of my free time was spent on the business and I fucking loved it when I wanted to de-stress I would do stuff for the business because it genuinely felt so soothing for my nervous system after Rose Witch Coven launched, I was doing like classes every other week there and it was very like, okay, wow, boom, this is like a big thing, um, which I loved. I loved how quickly this all took off. Around this time, Instagram started taking off, like my reels were going viral, more and more people were coming into my field and it was like, wow, this big almost um, like Jupiterian energy, which I actually think at that time I was in a first house perfection year. I talk a little bit about my second house perfection year on um, season one. And my first house is um, Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius rising. So therefore Jupiter would have been like ruling that particular year of my life. So it makes sense because it was very, yeah, looking back, it was very like Jupiterian, very expansive, very adventurous, very um, exuberant. And it was intense. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned recently is how much my nervous system fucking loves intensity which is something that I am trying to mitigate but genuinely I feel like my nervous system feels way more comfortable when things are chaotic and intense and um normalcy and calmness and chillness can almost feel uneasy for me because it's like I feel sometimes yeah my nervous system is in this like state of heightened um stimulation not all the time but I'm definitely understanding that now and I definitely look back at that point in the business and I'm like, wow, that was really manifesting that because I was probably working 80 hour weeks on the business alone, not on my day job. This is not including like 
the time that I was doing like researching and reading and doing my own studying. That's not including the time that I was doing my own practice that is specifically business stuff. And looking back, I'm just like, wow, like that was really intense. I do also feel like huge gratitude for Vicky back then because their work and like, yeah, the the work that they did then really allowed me to build this super solid foundation, but it is not the way that I would ever recommend anyone doing it because I burned out so many times. I'm still recovering from a pretty intense burnout and this is why I haven't recorded another episode because I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. So now we're kind of like, I I think I celebrated two years of the Aphrodisian Witch um, in October. So we're kind of two years in, about two and a half years into to me properly viewing this as like a business. This is something I want to do for the rest of my life. I want this to be able to support me because this work is so fulfilling. And yeah, about six months ago, I left my day job. When I left, I was only down to one day a week, but like even just having that like, oh, okay, now it's it's all on me. It's really like make it or break it. Um, and of course then, like I said, if you listen to episode one of season two, I, it just went so much worse. I thought that having more time to rest would make me space at work more, but it just made me fill that space with more work. And as the business grew, I do feel like it probably grew a little bit out of my control because it's so easy to add these extra stuff and people do it you know I I see myself doing it all the time and people I think unknowingly can plant that seed in business owners had other business owners as well like oh have you have you are you on YouTube um no I'm not I don't have the fucking time you know like oh oh my god you need to build an email list and like oh you need to do this you need this and suddenly it's like okay get I have to do all this stuff I can't rely on Instagram because matter is shit um I can't rely on TikTok because that shit um you know okay email list wonderful but it's not as like a bigger platform, like all of these things. And there's all these different um, opinions and perspectives going around. It's really intense. And if I really had to sum up, if someone was listening to this and they were like, yes, I would love to start a witchy business or I am currently in a witchy business and I want to do more or whatever. It is intense. And sometimes, and I'm sure I'm also probably guilty of this, sometimes I do feel like the digital witchcraft community of business owners make it very glamorous. They make it very glamorous. And sometimes I do feel like it's because sometimes they're selling witchy business courses. (laughs) Not all the time. Like, I'm not gonna tar everyone with the same brush. But I have found that the witchy businesses that are like, this is my, I do this. And it's like, I, it's all very chill. And perhaps don't necessarily speak of the, the difficulties and the struggles. Especially as well from my point of view, like I'm disabled, I'm neurodivergent. Um, like there are all these other things that make it difficult and intense. But I have found that, yeah, sometimes when folks really glamorize like this as a as a, I hate saying it's a career because I feel like it's more like a calling than a career. Sometimes they are selling stuff. (laughs) Not all the time, but sometimes. And that immediately, that kind of puts me on edge because I'm like, it's not all sunshine and roses. And when I 
visualized myself running a witchy business. I did not visualize paying a huge tax bill. I did not visualize doing my accounts. I did not visualize chasing fucking orders. I did not visualize having to make difficult decisions about people like not paying for the rest of their payment plans. Like stuff like this, which I was like, damn, I did not visualize that. Like, because why would you? when you kind of dream big and you think about, okay, what do I actually want this to look like? You don't think of the mundane, boring stuff. And I also think it's really worth noting that actually I do really love doing the mundane, boring stuff. I enjoy doing my accounts. I enjoy editing podcast episodes, even though they're not necessarily like utilizing my spiritual gifts. I also quite enjoy it. Not everyone does. Um, but I think it's also really worth noting that, yeah, you, even if you do say, okay, I can go full-time with this work. Unless you're doing really well, which I'm, I mean, I can't afford to pay somebody to do my accounts for me. Um, I do have a wonderful assistant who does a couple of hours, like a few hours a week for me. Um, I, I can't afford to do any other help. Now, there are some people out there who can. And like, if you are in that position where you, especially if you have like perhaps a day job, if you are in the position to actually hire in some external support, oh my God, please do it. Every time I've been able to do it, it has made my life infinitely easier. But again, it's like, wow, that's money. That's the other thing I think I wish somebody had told me is like, it's it's not cheap. Even just in the sense of like email lists, you might ha- be able to do like a free version until you get a certain amount of subscribers. And then you have to pay. And it's like, okay, cool. And then the website, um, say for example, I edit on like Video Leap and I have to pay for long form videos on Video Leap. Like the, like I'm, my my website runs off Podia, but the Magical Misfit Mystery School, like the app runs on Mighty Networks. That is like an astronomical <laughs> fee for that. I, it's expensive. And that's, that's without, I don't do products yet. I mean, I am actually do like I am making products, but I'm not selling them yet. I'm a service-based business and that tends, I'm saying tends, obviously I'm not, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I have found that tends to be on the cheaper side um, than a product-based business because obviously you have to shell out money to actually get your thing back. That's n- without any additional education, any additional books or training or anything like that, which I personally believe is quite important especially when it comes to, yeah, if you're like doing a service, um, say for example, for me, for, for astrology, studying with other astrologers is really important for my practice because it allows me to develop my own practice, to see others' interpretations, to see how other people um, read charts or whatever, like all of this is actually really important to my practice. If I want to build a new skill to bring into the business, I have to then seek out training, which is obviously cost money so there is I find quite a lot of outgoings now you can obviously make it cheaper that's fine however it is kind of like you are constantly facing that like time versus money battle which can be quite intense now I do also believe that people are called to this path I do believe that because when I look back at my own journey, I'm like, wow, of course I would end up here. 
and even my best efforts to avoid <laughs> this this path. I tried my best to be like, I don't want this. And it kept coming back. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to end up relenting. And I don't think it calls everyone. Like, I really want to stress that. I think in this age of, yeah, visibility with witchcraft practices, visibility with witchcraft business owners, which I think on the whole have had to, in the past, kind of operate more in the shadows um, or on the fringes, on the outside, it can be really tempting to be like, oh, if I am quote unquote good at witchcraft, which I think is a whole other topic in and of itself, that means I have to offer my services to other people. That means I have to offer my expertise. No, you fucking don't. Not every single witch in this world is going to have a witchcraft business. You don't need to have a witchcraft business. Having a witchcraft business or offering your talents to the collective does not necessarily validate your practice. You don't need that. You don't need that external validation. Similarly, you don't have to share every single one of your spiritual gifts with people if you do have a business. This is something that I am really trying to anchor in because my thing is I'm like, wow, this has been a really helpful tool for me. My almost immediate reaction is to be like, how can this support my students? How can this support my community? Which is like, obviously, yeah, wonderful. And also I have to be able to keep some stuff just for me. And that's a really important thing that I, that I wish someone had told me, like, you don't have to give it all. Like you can keep some stuff to yourself. You can keep some stuff sacred, but it is an addictive feeling to feel like you're helping people, to feel like you're supporting people. I also think it's really worth noting that if someone does have a witchy business, it doesn't necessarily mean they know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, I know some incredible witchcraft business owners, some incredible service providers, some incredible teachers. I also know some people who I'm like, how, how are you here? you know, astrologers who can't name all of the 12 signs. Like, <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> you know, I know everyone's in their own individual path, but for fuck's sake, please learn the fucking Zodiac before you start fucking offering readings, please. It doesn't mean that someone's good at their job. It doesn't. It just means that they have started offering services. I have seen witches who have been practicing two months who decide they just want to start a business. And I'm like, hold your horses. Like, have it be for you for a long time because there is no obligation to share that with other people. You are not obliged to share your gifts. I do feel like if the universe wants us to share our gifts, it will tell us. Sometimes this can present within a natal chart. Sometimes this can present within like signs around us. Sometimes it can be through dreams or through like divination or whatever. But I do truly feel like if you are called to offer your gifts or your services or your products to the collective, the universe will let you know. And there is no fucking rush. There is no rush. Because I do feel like I personally didn't realize how different running a, a business would be to just having my like solo practice. Even just in the case of like being perceived visibly, I was not prepared for my content to go viral. I, that was not even in 
my my head what happens if my content goes viral am I going to be able to deal with that and I think even if it was I'd be like well that's great because that means more people are going to come into my circle I really struggled with like being perceived on mass like I probably still do struggle with it to be honest when a reel goes viral like it immediately like turns up my nervous system and I I get way more activated because it's intense like it's really intense having suddenly all these new people come into your come into your kind of field of vision and you're just seeing numbers on a screen or comments or whatever I wasn't expecting my business and like being on Instagram and stuff to bring up like old wounding and trauma which looking back I'm like of course it was gonna do that Vicky <laughs> like of course same thing as like when you get into relationships it's like oh look like my trauma and wounding is coming back up you know whatever um I really wasn't expecting that I wasn't expecting to have to develop quite a thick skin and quite a strong sense of self to know no, I am actually doing this in integrity. And this random person on the internet who has found my page, who has never interacted with any of my content, has never seen any of my content before. Actually, their opinion does not fucking matter. It doesn't matter at all. That took a while. That took a while to develop. And I still have massive wobbles now. I do wish that someone had maybe said to me, like, what happens if this does really take off? Like, are you prepared for that? Because looking back, I really wasn't. And similarly, I kind of feel like now, if the business had a massive boost and stuff, I don't, I don't know whether I, my, my nervous system is ready for that yet. Hence why I'm kind of taking a little bit of a back seat. And I'm also kind of realizing, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Only the first time I've actually, you know, consciously been like, I don't want this to blow up, so I'm taking a back seat. Wow, amazing for these cool little revelations on <laughs> while I'm recording a podcast. I'm like, huh, thank you, subconscious, of being like, yeah, maybe this is why we are hanging back from doing a podcast episode or hanging back from making content um, and kind of just edging my way out of, out of my cave. So the, running a witchy business will challenge you in ways that you are completely unprepared for it will bring up old wounding. It will bring up activations. It will tap into all of your little shadowy, sticky spots. Your imposter syndrome will go wild. (laughs) Like I'm telling you this now. I have not spoken to another witchy business owner who has not felt massive imposter syndrome. And like, people are gonna realize that I should not be running a witchy business. (laughs) Or like, people are gonna realize that I don't know what I'm talking about. Newsflash, nobody knows what they're talking about. We are all just fumbling through fucking life. Like everyone, every single human is fumbling through life, myself included. A lot of the successes within the business have been flukes. They haven't been things that have been massively strategically planned out. They have been flukes. They have been luck. They have been fate, whatever. Um, And I think as well from like a spiritual perspective, I think it's important to really view our businesses as like an extension of our inner witch. My offering my services and being a teacher and a mentor 
is now almost part of my identity as a witch, which I mean, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I do feel like it has changed my perception on my gifts, on my spiritual gifts, because I know one of my magical gifts is communication and relating stuff to people. And I was going to say touching people, but that sounds a bit dirty, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> um, you know, kind of uh, connecting with people. That's a better way to say it. Connecting with people, um, you know, through this podcast, through Instagram, through my email, whatever. Which I mean, when people think about spiritual gifts, they think of like, oh, yeah, I'm really good at divination. Or, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty psychic. Or I'm salient or whatever. I do have spiritual gifts. Like, I'm, I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty decent at astrology. I'm all right. But I do also feel like kind of being able to take in information and process it and then kind of regurgitate it back out in a bit more of an accessible, grounded way. That is also one of my spiritual gifts. And I think that also is one of the reasons why doing classes and courses and teaching really worked well with me. And I think that's a really important um, thing to note is that Maybe not so much this year, but definitely last year. And I was definitely a part of this. Every single witchy business was doing courses and classes. And I think that a lot of folks felt like that's what they had to do. Especially I've seen, I've never been a product business, but I have seen this with product businesses. And I get it. You know, it's like making courses and classes tends to be a little bit more of like a cost effective way because there's not necessarily like the shelling out of supplies or products or anything like that. But also, if that's not your thing, you don't have to do it. If you hate speaking, don't fucking start a podcast. (laughs) You know, you don't necessarily have to do all the things. And the same thing goes the other way. For people who are service providers, don't think that you have to start just making products because people are making products. Like, you are allowed to be like, "What what is actually my gift? What are my gifts here? How can I actually support the collective with the stuff that I'm talented at, that... I am good at, I mean, that's the same thing as being talented, I guess, but like that feels natural for me. It feels relatively easy for me. Not that your work shouldn't challenge you. I'm fucking challenged, especially when I'm trying to fucking teach stuff. Cause I'm like, how the fuck do I describe this weird sensation? How do I describe this weird process? But in the sense of communicating and finding ways to, that makes people like understand and resonate with what I say that's always been something that's come relatively natural to me. So I'm going to be utilizing that gift. Finding your talent and accepting your talent and being like, actually, yeah, I can do things that are easy. I'm really good at typing. And that's why the written reports, like the dancing or the divine readings, I feel work really well because I am actually really good at communication and doing a written report is a little bit more sustainable for me, for my body. So like, All of this stuff, it's like actually working with where I am at right now um, and what actually is easy for me. And similarly, like knowing where your zone of genius begins and where your zone of genius ends, I think is really important. Like if you are an astrologer, you don't also have to offer tarot readings. If someone messages you and is like hey I'd really love for you to do a tarot reading for me and you're like I don't read tarot (laughs) or like I only read tarot for myself don't feel like you have to do that like 
I firmly believe in like referring out and being like, that's actually not really my wheelhouse. Um, I feel like that's such an empowering thing as well to be like, actually, yeah, that's really not my thing. But that person over there is fucking fantastic at it. If you want this thing, which I am really good at, hit me up and I'm, you know, I, I can help you out. There is, I think, immense power in, in knowing actually I'm not confident in that. And I think that also goes back to like seeking out support if you can, because it's like, actually, where am I? Like, I have no clue about this thing. I just, this is really not my thing. If it's something that you really do need for your business, considering, okay, how can I actually um, seek external support? That doesn't even necessarily have to be like paying someone. That can be even just like reaching out to your group of mates. I'm not saying get people to do unpaid work for you. But if it's like, hey, actually, yeah, I'm, I really want to start a podcast and you are a musician. Um, is there anything that you think I should look for? You know, and they might be like, I have no clue. <laughs> but like remembering that you are supported by people in your life who may not necessarily be witchy business owners or business owners at all, but they will be able to support you with particular skills. Um, that's actually one thing that I love about polyamory. <laughs> like is that I meet fantastic people who are so skilled um, and that, that ultimately benefits me, which I'm like, damn, that's pretty fucking cool. And I do also think that it's really worth noting that as you build your witchy business, you will end up building a wide array of skills that you did not think that you would be building when you came into this business. For me, it's like fucking sound editing, video editing. I did not sign up to be a sound editor, but apparently here I am. And I do feel really happy that in the future, if I'm like, actually, yeah, I would like to maybe support somebody else with their podcast, I would feel very confident editing it and making it sound incredible, <laughs> you know? So I, there are so many skills that I have built from this business. Social media, I had no fucking clue about social media before I started this business. Um, I didn't do Instagram that much. I didn't really follow like content creators on Instagram. I followed friends and family. Um, and I do have a personal account. I do actually just follow friends and family, which is nice. But I, I learned a lot as I, as I did it. Now I am a Gemini and I also have a Gemini Mercury. My Mercury is conjunct my sun. I also have a ton of Sagittarius energy. I feel like I'm pretty good at like looking at something and being like, huh, that person is doing that particular thing. And it had that result. So for me, looking at like social media stuff, looking at captions, seeing if there was a bit of a formula to people writing captions, um, that was actually quite easy for me. I do feel like, and obviously again, we are in like kind of an unprecedented age of social media visibility within witchcraft. And we have seen stuff like witch talk take off. Like I do believe that the Instagram witchcraft community is like truly flourishing and thriving. And it's a community that is so close to my heart. I would love to see more witchy business owners viewing social media as like a really powerful magical tool because I believe that social media and the internet is like a man-made astral plane. You know, you have probably found me, my work through Instagram. Wild, you have met a projection of me through videos and reels that I might have made months ago and you might have just discovered my work now. It might be a reel that I made months ago. Like that is wild to me that we can project particular parts of ourselves across space and time to people that we have never met. 
to people who we have never spoken to, to people we've never even been on the same continent as. And I can still convey my message and I can convey energy and a particular vibe. And like, are you telling me that's not a fucking man-made astral plane? Bullshit, bullshit, my friend. I really feel like witches utilizing social media to not only support like their own businesses, but also to like support the collective. Like how can you do a digital spell that goes viral utilizing those same skills that you have picked up from doing your social media or on your witchy business account? How can you utilize those same skills to perhaps do a digital spell for like collective liberation? You know, like you can also expand these skills that you learn from your business into something that can also support your community elsewhere. The skills that I have learned from mentoring, from, you know, like doing readings, I also bring into my relationships. Like, it all filters throughout my life. It's not necessarily just stuck here. The skills that I learned outside of my business are brought into my business and vice versa. So I think that's also like really important to note that like when you do develop these new skills, because you do, you will. It's not like if you develop new skills, you will develop new skills that you also remember like, huh, these skills are actually gonna be really supportive outside of my business. And thinking about how you can actually apply those to support other people, to support yourself. Um, I think that's a really important thing to note because it can feel sometimes like, oh, this is just for my business. And I feel like when we are running spiritual businesses, we have to be so aware of making sure that we are still supporting like the collective. With that being said, one of the ways that I really like to ground my my business in like practical support for my community is essentially by like dedicating a particular amount of money or resources, whether that's time, energy, um, you know, labor, whatever, um, to like the collective. So say for example, um, you know, like 5% of like the profits that my, the business makes go towards like sex worker or trans mutual aid. That's something that I take immense pleasure in. And I felt like in those times where perhaps I'd been like, oh my God, like, should I be pay- like charging for my spiritual gifts? Just like, yes, because unfortunately I feel like in this world money is probably like the most sought after resource um and we all need fucking money to survive and it's like yes if you are helping someone you do deserve to be paid for for your labor for your energy for your time for your effort and also I think it's really worth noting that especially within the spiritual communities there are other ways that you can offer your services you can do like service trades you can like offer free sessions if you can't like give a particular amount of your money or whatever you can be like okay I can't offer free sessions but I can like run a free class that's something that I feel really passionate about is making sure that whatever you are actually offering that there is a variety of like accessible price points for people because I do feel like when we have a witchy business we do have a bit of an obligation to make sure that it is accessible for the whole community. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to make all of your work accessible to everyone, but making sure that there are free resources for folks who don't have any cash, making sure there are like low, relatively low like amount of resources that you need to access some of your stuff. 
I think that's really important. And that's something that I really do try within the business. And also sometimes it's easier said than done. Like you do also need to be fed. So make sure that regardless like of what you choose when it comes to pricing or how you extend your labor like out of yourself to support the collective, just consider whether it is actually sustainable for you, you know, because you can't make your work sustainable if you are burnt out. Like that is the least sustainable thing that you can do. That is the number one way to make sure that nobody can access your work is that you are burnt out or that you just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And it's also worth noting that you are allowed to take breaks when you, and I'm sure this is not, this isn't even necessarily just something with like a witchy profession, but probably any sort of service provider, or if you do any kind of caring or caregiving or anything like that, when you feel like you're making an impact and you feel like you're, you're like a really important support for people, your clients or whatever, it can be very difficult to remember to like reserve some of that energy back for yourself and to not just give it to other people. That is, that is difficult. And I feel like that's almost a skill to cultivate in and of itself to be like, actually, yeah, I do get to keep some of this energy back. I don't have to offer my energy up to, like all of my energy up to other people. I do get to, yeah, give myself like the same medicine that I extend to others. One of the reflections that I've had, and this isn't necessarily one that's just linked to like running a witchy business, but I guess it's probably running any business, is that like my markers of success shift all of the time. It can be really difficult when you run a business to look for markers of success outside of like financial ones because you are, you know, driven and capitalism tells us like that is, that is the mark of success, how much money you are making. And don't get me wrong, obviously making sure your bills are paid and that you have enough money to like feed yourself and all this stuff, that is, it is one of the markers of success. But I feel like especially when it comes to like a spiritual business, it's really important to note that like there are way more markers of success that are not just monetary. So like the feedback that you get from clients, the sweet words that that clients or students or whoever share with you that say that you've really supported and impacted them, the comments on Instagram, the replies to your emails, you know, someone saying in a, in a consult or a reading, like, wow, I never really viewed it that way. Like all of these are interesting markers of success and they will shift over time. Like when my first reel went viral, I think it got over like, I don't know, 20, 30 K. That was unimaginable for me. I was like, what the fuck? Now that's like, that's actually pretty normal. And I, it's not necessarily noteworthy. Uh, It's not a noteworthy piece of content for me. Um, you know, I think my highest currently is like 2 million or something silly like that or 1.5 million. I can't even remember what it, what it is at the moment, which is if you told me back then, I would have been like, what the hell? Like, especially with social media, um, you know, if my post used to get 100 likes, I'd be like, holy shit, I'm famous. Now 100 likes is like fucking shit. So I think it's really important as well, like as your business grows, that you do root back into being like, wow, like Vicky from two years ago would be completely blown away to see where I'm at now. 
it, like in those in the context of markers of success and I guess generally one of my tips that I like to do um for mitigating that like social media of like oh great I've only got like 30 likes or whatever five likes 7,000 likes whatever is to google that amount of people in a group so like when I've had like a reel that's done like five you know I don't know 500 people 500 people have viewed it that can be like that's nothing oh my god Instagram is restricting me all of this stuff then googling 500 people in a group and you're like whoa if those people came to like look at like I don't know a presentation that I did I'd be so freaked out when I get you know 300 likes on a post I view that as 300 people all screaming cheering for me and being like we love this video oh my god ah like wow googling 300 people in a group that would be so intense for me if 20 people came up to me and complimented me, I would be so overwhelmed. (laughs) I'd be like, please stop talking to me. Stop telling me my hair looks good. Like, I don't need this. There's so many more people than I actually need to compliment me. So sometimes actually taking it away from the screen and seeing it in like the physical reality, that is really helpful for me. And you could probably do this like with money as well. So being like, okay, I made X amount of money this month. If you feel bad about it, Google how much that looks in fucking coins. <laughs> I mean, like, whoa, like, I'm rich. Um, that can also be something that can help, yeah, ground it in a little bit more reality because it can be difficult to see that when it's just, like, numbers on a screen. Like, I do truly understand that. Do I feel like you can run a witchy business without social media? I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure people can. <laughs> I'm obviously slightly biased, because I started my business on social media and I started my business specifically on Instagram. So I'm like, Instagram is great for growing a business because that's how I've done it. I do feel like it's very difficult um, in this age of not much word of mouth. Also for me, like I am in a small Welsh village. It might be a little bit different if I was in like London or like a bigger city where word of mouth could spread or if I had even like a brick and mortar shop, but I don't. I do feel like, spiritual people on the whole, not all the time, um, tend to be a little bit tech averse. And they're like, ew, technology. I feel like if the witchcraft community does not catch up with tech, we are going to end up disintegrating because this is the world, the way the world is going. And so I feel like if you are like, I really want to do a witchy business, but I don't want to do social media... I would say do some work like around like what the actual resistance is there. Is it actually that you've tried before and it's like, yeah, it's shit and I don't get any, you know, customers or I don't get any followers or whatever. I feel like I'm putting in a load of extra labor. It is kind of like, yeah, sometimes it is like that. Considering like the long game, like, okay, what is actually like the end goal here? The end goal is to support people. The end goal is to help people. The end goal is to share my gifts. I never started this business to be a content creator or to get a certain amount of followers. Remembering that can help me be like, okay, social media is just a tool. It's a tool to get my my message out there. It's a tool to get my services out there. That's all it is. I don't have to like it. I don't have to love it. I can just be neutral towards it. But also, yeah, digging into like, what is the resistance here? Is it actually like, yeah, I don't want to show my face on reels. Cool. Maybe it's some time to do some shadow work around being perceived. Is it that you're like, oh yeah, I'm shit at writing. Maybe it's time to do some shadow work around like allowing yourself to be heard authentically and like authentically using your voice. 
Is it like, yeah, I'm really worried that I'm going to invest a lot of time and energy or money into this thing and then I'm going to drop it. Maybe it's time to do some shadow work around being like, okay, like what is this thing around me maybe seeking like new sensations constantly or new stimulus? How can I ground into like when things actually calm down and that, um, that it's kind of like new relationship energy, but for like business stuff, when that like calms down, how can I ground into like the normalcy that like this is my business? Because I have found that as someone who, again, seeks like high intensity situations and connections and um, modes of being, I, even with my business, have a few times been like, this is boring, I want to throw it all in the fire. It's like, come on, like, it's the same thing as, yeah, I, I have a house currently, like, I have a mortgage, I would love to pack up and just, like, move somewhere. It's like, unfortunately, I can't, because I have a house and a mortgage and a family and all this stuff, you know? Really allowing myself to, like, settle into the, yeah, the normalcy, the mundane stuff, and being like, wow, cool, I'm just doing accounts for my business, like, that doesn't have to be exciting, it's just part of the job. And through doing these really boring bits, I get to also really make that impact and I get to do the fun bits. I get to do the teaching. I get to do the mentoring. I get to do the supporting of my clients. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I wish someone had told me, which I have definitely clicked now when it comes to like a witchy business, is like, for fuck's sake, just be yourself. Like, stop trying to be like other people on the internet. Stop trying to do the softly spoken, direct eye contact to camera, really close to face thing. Like, I actually didn't do that. But like, I did for a bit feel like I had to be more like the quote unquote spiritual people on Instagram. Um, that I would have to speak about being high vibration and stuff like that. And it's like, that's actually just not fucking me. As soon as I started being myself, as soon as I started just being like, this is me, like it or fucking lump it. Suddenly people started being more attracted to my work suddenly people were like, wow, I feel like I really resonate with what you say. I really resonate with how you view your practice. All of that shit happened because I was actually just like, do you know what? It's not fucking worth it trying to be what I think other people want me to be. I may as well just be myself. And then it's like, whoa, that actually fucking worked. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I'm autistic. I mask a lot. Definitely like on, you know, even when I'm like recording this podcast, sometimes I'll look at like the video that I'm recording for it if like I have to pause it and I'm just like, wow, just no expression, just nothing. I like then turn it back on when I start recording, wild. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to be again, um, 100% transparent because if you are a public facing business, you are also a person, you don't have to share every single thing with every single person. And it can be difficult to be like authentic and to be yourself. But if you can do that as much as possible and you can like really sit with that thing of being like, yes, I can be myself and it's safe, even if it does feel unsafe. And this is my space, this is my digital space, this is my digital home. I'm allowed to be myself. I'm allowed to feel comfortable here. I'm allowed to say, hey, okay, if you're going to speak to me like that, you're going to make those comments. You're not allowed to be in my digital home and block people and delete comments and whatever. You are allowed to do that. But being your authentic self also means that we do have to build up resilience to other people not tolerating us as authentic selves. Especially if you're in a marginalized body. You know, the amount of queerphobic shit that I get, the amount of misogynistic shit that I get on Instagram, the amount of people, you know, misgendering me, or when I say that I'm non-binary, being like, well, you dress like a girl, so blah, 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 blah. I really had to develop like resilience in my own gender in being like, cool, I actually don't give a shit whether you think that I'm non-binary or not. I actually don't care. Like that took time to build. 
So like, yes, be yourself. And also I really want to acknowledge that being yourself is fucking vulnerable, especially on social media. It's vulnerable, it's edgy. And sometimes it can make other people shitty towards you. It can feel shitty when people don't accept your authentic self, especially when you're like, I'm trying to share my gifts and talents with other people and I just fucking can't. But being yourself, acknowledging your like inherent talents, your inherent limitations, where your zone of genius begins, where it ends, what's actually sustainable for you. This is the shit that I wish somebody had fucking told me when starting this business. I'm still learning a lot of these lessons myself. I'm nowhere near where I would like to be within my connection to my business and not in like a financial sense or like a, the business needs to be further on, like in a way of like being able to hold space for my business and my practice together and separately. If there's one thing that I would like for folks to take away from this episode, well, I'm going to say two things, actually. Okay, the first, th- first thing is that you don't have to have a spiritual business. You may feel like, yeah, I'm really enjoying my witchcraft practice and the next step to that is offering my services. No, no, it's not. You don't have to do um, that spiritual escalator. You don't have to do that. The second thing that I guess I'd like people to take away is that if you are called to start a spiritual business or you already have one, know that, you are being called for you, for your gifts, for your talents, not for you to try and be like somebody else, not for you to try and be like, okay, even though I have this particular set of skills, I need to add to it so that I'm doing this because other people are offering this. You are being called for your unique experience, your unique talents, your unique services, your unique healing, your unique gifts. You, not anyone else, you. And that goes for like any part of your spirituality. Your deities are calling you for you. They want you to be yourself. Your audience, your following, your clients, they are coming to you for you. This is more so a message as well for me as well, Vicky. They're coming to you for you. You are the magic, not necessarily your services, you. So for fuck's sake, just be yourself. Just be yourself and your people will find you. Now, if you did enjoy um, this episode and you'd like a little bit more no bullshit mentoring, um, I invite you to come and join us at Magical Misfit Mystery School, which is my digital occult school. There is actually a section for digital and business witchery. Not like a huge section. I think I've done like a masterclass on it. There's like a better business green salt tutorial, which is cool. There's like some money and abundance stuff. And there's also like you know, exercises focusing on like grounding in pleasure and on identifying like your connection with your inner witch. All of which I feel like are probably going to be supportive things if you are running a business or a witchy business at that. MMMS is like an ongoing rolling occult school. So you can join for a month. You can join forever, forever, um, however long you want. Um, and you get access to it through an app and on desktop. You also get one-to-one mentoring from me and a ton of other stuff like a 28-day deity work challenge, fuck tons of masterclasses, and also a community space for you to like chat with other members and whatnot. So if you would like some support um, within your practice or you just even like just some just some support of someone else who is another business owner who, who just gets it, Magical Misfit Mystery School may be something that might support you. Regardless whether you have a business or not, there is a shit ton on that. The library space is packed full of lessons and it's being added to every month. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please um, rate it and share it with friends, share the podcast with friends, and let me know how you found it. I love hearing folks' feedback from this. I love the messages and emails and DMs that I get, and I really do appreciate it. I'll see you next time on Not Another Witch Podcast, and yeah. Bye. 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 (laughs)